Welcome back to the Middle Tech Podcast. You've got Logan Jones and Evan Knowles recording out of the Sales River Studio. And we've got some very interesting stories to go over today. We're going to be talking about Toyota's sustainable energy investment that has a lot to do with the state of Kentucky, as well as Neuralink getting FDA approval for human testing. Uh, but before we dive into that, you and I have both been kind of following along with uh, the current vote that's going on about the expansion of the urban service boundary. So kind of switching it over to develop Lex talk here for a second. Um, just super high level real quick, talk about what the urban services boundary is in case somebody has never heard that term before. Yeah, so around the Fayette County border, there is essentially uh, a limit to where they are building utilities to limit the development of land. And so what they're doing is they're trying to preserve uh, horse farms, but they're also trying to make very data-driven, smart decisions on where to develop so that we don't have urban sprawl um, and land that's going unused or underdeveloped um, in ways that we don't want. So uh, what the city does is every five years, they have what's called a comprehensive plan that they vote on. And oftentimes it's, we don't want to expand. And every once in a while, the last one was about 20 years ago, um, they wanted to expand. And right now is kind of a time when many want to expand as well. It's uh, kind of split here in the city, about 50% of people seem like they want to expand, about 50% seem like they don't. Um, so it's a pretty big deal here in the state of Kentucky, but especially Lexington, because people look to Lexington for intelligent development. And this mm-hmm. is a really big day in Lexington history, and they'll vote on that expansion or not, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, I don't know if I'm personally informed enough to really take a, a super strong stance on it. I thought originally that you know, it it's, makes sense to want to preserve the horse farms around Lexington and really preserve that boundary. But um, it was really great listening to them debate back and forth about it because both both sides brought up great points. Um, so I think I'm, I'm kind of right in the middle right now. I hate to ride the fence. I think I'm more protect the urban services boundary, but uh, I think that there's definitely parts you could develop into that would not um, would not harm, you know, some of the agricultural horse farms that we're trying to protect. So we'll see how that all turns out, but it's an interesting thing to kind of follow along with. It really impacts the entire city. So if you're, you know, a Lexingtonian, you should be following along. Um, but before we get into our stories today, we just want to get a quick word from our sponsors. Before highlighting our sponsors, we'd just like to state that the views and content shared on this platform do not necessarily reflect those of our show sponsors. Middle Tech is presented by KY Innovation, the Kentucky Cabinet for Economic Development's Office of Entrepreneurship. KY Innovation exists to support and develop Kentucky's startup ecosystem, and we are proud to be supported by an organization whose mission aligns so closely with ours. If you're a founder building in Kentucky, you need to check out the resources that KY Innovation has to offer. You can find more information by clicking the link in our show notes or going to kyinnovation.com. Middle Tech is sponsored by Bolt Marketing. Take your website to the next level with a website that's built to work. At Bolt Marketing, they're revolutionizing websites for small businesses that are affordable, customizable, and hassle-free. Whether you have a construction company, a boutique clothing store, or you own a hot yoga studio, they have options for you. Click the link in our show notes to explore their marketing options that can transform your marketing and grow your business. And as a personal note, Bolt Marketing built our website and they were awesome to work with throughout the entire process. We highly recommend working with them. All right, so for our first story, um, this deals with Toyota's largest manufacturing plant going electric. Um, And this is kind of a two-part story here, both of which deal with the state of Kentucky, uh, which makes it very exciting. So Evan, give us the overview on what's going on here, and let's dig into the story. Yeah, so this is Toyota's largest manufacturing facility in the world. 
Uh, it's in Georgetown, Kentucky, uh, and they're committing to uh, assembling battery vehicles, so electric vehicles, um, battery-powered vehicles, um, which is a large investment. And they're basically committing to retain jobs and invest about $600 million into this future project. Uh, so basically, they are beginning to convert their fleet from gas to electric. Obviously, their largest manufacturing facility plays a big role in that. And so Toyota is just saying, hey, uh, we will be retaining jobs here. We want to continue to invest in the state and this manufacturing facility while we begin a transition to electric vehicles. Um, so this project follows uh, one that was about two years ago in October 2001. There was an announcement that $461 million was going to be invested to upgrade the facility to prepare for electric electrification of vehicles. And then this is an additional um, investment to basically begin that transition um, and continue through with that. So a uh, big announcement. Again, Steve Bashir or uh, Andy Bashir is doing a, a great job getting kind of sustainable energy here in the state. Yeah, it still blows my mind that one of Toyota's or Toyota's the largest manufacturing plant is in the state of Kentucky. Uh, and it positions Kentucky really well for this next part of it, um, which deals with a past guest of ours, Adam Edlin and Edlin Renewables, taking old coal mines and turning them into solar projects. Uh, Toyota has also um, signed a purchase power agreement to purchase some of this uh, sustainable solar power. Um, so go over that part of the story and let's break down that part as well. Yeah. So it's 100 uh, megawatts. It's enough to power, let's see, um, their facilities. Uh, it doesn't give actually an, uh, an amount of how much that will power in the article now that I'm seeing it. Uh, but basically it's to help offset emissions uh, there in Georgetown. So they'll be using that power uh, for power generation there. Um, Toyota has a major initiative to start to move towards sustainable energy, as, as most large corporations do. Um, so this is formerly the Martiki coal mine. There's a brownfield site in Martin County, which is on the border of Kentucky and West Virginia. Um, and they're going to turn this into a new clean solar uh, photovoltaic energy facility. Uh, I had to make sure I was pronouncing <laughs> that right. And so Savion is the one that's developing this alongside of Edlin, Edlin Renewables, um, and construction is set to begin uh, mid this year and be commercially operational in 2024. Yeah, super exciting. And I do just want to highlight, um, you know, we had Adam Edlin on the podcast, shoot, probably two or, th or three years ago. Um, and what they're doing is is pretty awesome for the state of Kentucky. They're taking these coal mines uh, that, you know, are no longer in use and putting solar panels and solar projects in their place. So it's awesome not only to see that that's happening. I think, you know, that's one, that's an ambitious project to be doing anyway. Uh, but to have, you know, an international auto manufacturer like Toyota come in and say, hey, we'll purchase the power from these. That's the other side of the equation that's very important for Adam and his team. Uh, so to see that all working out is uh, very encouraging all around. So big congrats to Adam on that. Uh, and uh, tip of the hat to Toyota for making the initiative. Yeah. So I, I mentioned that they're trying to power. Um, it doesn't say anything about what they're going to power in the article. Really what they're doing here is they're just offsetting uh, emissions is basically what they're trying to do, be carbon neutral. So they're not necessarily powering anything in particular, uh, but they have the goal of being carbon neutral in 2032. So I wanted to clear that up there. Cool. Um, let's move on to this next story around Neuralink. Uh, so Neuralink has now received FDA approval. Uh, this comes after they had been rejected uh, for human trials by the FDA. Uh, so pretty quick turnaround here. Um, Neuralink must have gone in and addressed a lot of the concerns that came up with that first rejection. Um, but let's start by just talking high level what Neuralink is. 
Uh, so for those that don't know, uh, Neuralink is another uh, Elon Musk company uh, that is dealing with trying to put a brain-machine interface uh, into people's brains. So uh, I know that might sound kind of freaky um, at, the, at a high level there, uh, but the reason that they're trying to do this, at least initially, we can talk about what it could look like in the future, um, but initially they're trying to help um, you know, medical conditions like uh, spinal cord injuries, helping people be able to walk again. So basically uh, taking the, the brain signals that start in your brain, um, you know, transferring those down via that, uh, that uh, device, via that signal into the spinal cord and helping people be able to do things like walk again, control devices with their minds. Uh, it's the stuff of science fiction. It really is. So uh, let's talk about this current um, FDA approval real quick. And then let's just talk about what the future of Neuralink could look like. This is a, a huge deal that it's gotten this approval. Yeah. So, I mean, really, there's not a whole lot of details about what next steps are other than that they'll start to find uh, human trial patients. Um, so we'll see who they end up choosing. Those will be some, uh, and they might end up being famous people. You know, the first people to put chips in their brain and, you know, communicate to either the internet or uh, computers via brain signals is a big moment in history. So that's one of the next steps, but they didn't detail who those patients would be. Um, and then they're going to continue on their way with their mission, uh, which is they say in their statement that their mission is to create a generalized brain interface to restore autonomy to those with unmet medical needs today and unlock human potential tomorrow. So what they're alluding to is what Logan was just saying is heal patients with you know severe paralysis of some, some kind. Um, and then what they're talking about human potential in the tomorrow uh, will eventually connect our brains to the Internet uh, is what Elon claims. So really, there's no clear next steps from here other than they have to find uh, people to start to trial this with. Well, I think the immediate um, next step is, like you said, the people. I think the people are going to pretty clearly be those that have spinal cord injuries, people that, you know, you have no other option. What What do you have to lose if it, if it means potentially walking again? I'm absolutely getting, you know, something implanted in my brain, even if it's experimental, if I can get that ability to walk again. I'm, that That would personally be my choice. So I think that's what we're going to start seeing first. And just to be clear, this is this is already being done. There are brain-machine interfaces that have been input into brains, specifically with Neuralink. They've put it into a monkey's brain, and they've had a monkey be able to control. Uh, I, th I believe it was Pong, uh, the yeah. game Pong, using its using his brain. So that's a pretty incredible YouTube video if you haven't seen that. If you want a, a demonstration of how this works, um, but this is all to say that the the future is for this kind of stuff is not that far off. Um, the future that Elon's talking about, connecting our brains to the internet. I could go on and on on a long tangent about that, but uh, I guess just to summarize it, that's to me, that's when humans stop being 100% human. Where we've evolved past past that, we're, we're something else. When we can, you know, our brains can connect directly to the internet. Yeah, I'm trying to think if I would do it um, just for the sake of connecting myself to the internet, and mm. you know, I'm still on the fence about that. I'm not sure I would. I think uh, my phone's enough, and I think you know we're not. We're only months away from some very, very powerful voice assistant that's much better than Alexa or Siri or Google. Uh, and when that comes out, I think that that might be kind of the peak of my experience with the Internet. I, I don't personally, I can't imagine connecting and having constant <laughs> connection to the Internet. I don't, I don't think, think I like that. I don't think I would, and I can say that right now. But uh, once it gets to the point where people who do have it are basically superhuman, uh, I could see being... Peer pressure I'll just, just move on to a farm. That's what you think. That's what you think. Um, all right, moving on. Uh, AI Edge. This is going to be a pretty quick AI Edge, but just a story that we wanted to highlight just to kind of 
uh, you know, give some insight into what's going on in the space right now. Uh, that is the NVIDIA, which is the company that uh, creates a lot of the chips required for running these GPUs and um, you know, doing a lot of the compute power that artificial intelligence requires. They have briefly joined the $1 trillion uh, valuation club. Um, so this is more so just something to state there. It's a really big deal to join the $1 trillion valuation club because uh, when you think about the other companies that are part of it, it's a very exclusive group. It's Apple, Alphabet, which is Google, Microsoft, and Amazon. Uh, so the fact that NVIDIA got up there, even if it was for a brief moment, uh, just kind of really shows how the entire market is feeling about artificial intelligence and uh, those chips that are going to be required to kind of power this entire thing. So I even saw an article earlier today that said, uh, you know, even the leader, o OpenAI, is struggling to have enough compute power, enough uh, GPUs to do what they're trying to do. So it just shows you how important a company like NVIDIA is. That's basically the raw materials that are needed to create the artificial intelligence, if you want to think of it that way. Um, so stock market uh, reacted to that, crossed into the $1 trillion club pretty briefly. I believe it's now lower than that, but uh, still something to be paying attention to. Yeah, so NVIDIA created the transformer technology that uh, allows computers to run you know, multiple processes side by side and workflows side by side uh, at a very, very rapid pace. Traditionally, it's been used for video games with GPUs. Uh, their founder, uh, Jensen Huang, basically, again, invented this technology. And in 2006, they basically opened it up to developers and uh, wanted to see what people would use it beyond for um, then video games. And they had all kinds of applications, and eventually out of that came artificial intelligence. So it's taken a while to get to this point where, you know, now they're reaching this $1 trillion valuation, and demand is, you know, through the roof. They cannot keep up with the demand of uh, people that want to buy these GPUs to power artificial intelligence experiences. So they're in a very, very unique spot because they have such a head start because they created and invented this technology. Um, so very big deal. Uh, they'll continue to grow probably very rapidly. I would say a lot of it's priced in at this point. Um, so it'll take a while for uh, another large valuation jump unless yeah. they just continue to kill it. Um, but uh, it's something to keep watching because this is, you know, the company that's powering all of the experiences um, behind uh, Meta, um, Microsoft, and Google. So we'll we'll keep following this. Yeah, and just to slide a little disclaimer in there, this is not financial or investment advice. Um, this is just us stating the news. Um, and then to wrap up this episode and the AI Edge segment here, uh, our last um, last little bit here, uh, our tip of the week. So this comes from me using uh, artificial intelligence and ChatGPT at work. Uh, this one does require a subscription to ChatGPT Plus, so I understand this is a little bit uh, gate-kept here. Um, just bear with me. So if you have the subscription to ChatGPT+, Plus, you have uh, access to plugins and to web browsing via ChatGPT, which is a huge, huge deal. I use that uh, to basically insert the link to our company's website, so salesriver.com. I said, here is a link to our website. Uh, look at this, determine what an ideal customer would be for us, and help me identify potential prospects to reach out to. Um, very simple kind of exercise uh, to do. Just go and summarize it if you're a human. Uh, but for a computer, for artificial intelligence to be able to do that was pretty incredible. And it actually, not only did it uh, send me a few prospects that I actually ended up reaching out to, but it actually named a few of our clients. Uh, so um, it, it crushed it at that. Um, so that's our tip of the week. Anything you want to add to that or any other tips worth talking about? Yeah. 
All right. Um, with that, we will wrap up this episode. So thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next week.